Hey everybody and welcome back to this week's episode of the Steam Machine Podcast. My name is Dalton and joining me as always is my good buddy. Hey, it's me Willie. How you doing? Welcome back. Willie, I had a moth land on my dick earlier. Um, did you pay it? No. No, I did swing at it though a couple times. Um, so I was taking a piss in my bathroom and there's been this moth that's been flying around my house. So apparently it ended up in my bathroom and it landed on my dick. While I was taking a piss. I'm glad. I know you guys have been doing this will they, won't they for a while and it finally landed. (laughs) Uh, It did cause me to jerk a little bit and then have to wipe the side of the toilet off because and I've been so good for like aim. I've been like proud of my aim for years. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's been sullied. It's back down to zero. I got to start the count all over again. But, uh, you've had this little calendar you've been turning over every day since kindergarten, the last time we, we missed the bowl. Yeah, exactly, dude. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, it's it. I was like, what the fuck? So I started, after I was done peeing, uh, the moth was flying around the bathroom, so I threw some fists <laughs> see if see if I could punch it. And uh, I'll tell you what, that's a, that's a, uh, a sneaky motherfucker, because he evaded every fucking one of them and then landed way up out of my reach, so... Oh, man. I was like, all right, you win. You win now, Mothra. Godzilla will be back. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Godzilla and Mothra always throw hands, but Mothra's always back. So, I mean, you, you got to take a different tack uh, before he lands on your mothballs. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't need to have mothballs. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so- this is a good opening. <laughs> oh dude we haven't done an episode since the shit went down at my house oh okay oh yeah i have to to tell you listeners about that i have some funny lenny stories but i have to tell you guys what happened this week so it was almost a week ago now i'm out back enjoying a um silly sig or two and me and my mom are sitting there we're having a conversation and i start hearing shouting and I was like, hold on, be quiet. I was like, be quiet. Listen. And I'm I'm hearing this yelling. And I'm like, what in the fuck is that? So I go walking to the fence. And so we have this house across the street to the left a little bit. Um, It is like, it's a rental place. It used to be a guy's house. He got old and moved out. So now it's a rental place. So these people just moved in a couple of months ago. And the other day, the cops were there over some sort of dispute. Well, I get to the fence and I start being able to actually hear what this guy's yelling. And he's yelling like, fuck you. Fuck you. Let me in. Lock me out of the goddamn house. I pay for this motherfucker. Fuck you. And I'm like, oh, shit. And my brain's going, cherry, cherry, cherry. (laughs) So I walk out front and go stand by our vehicles. And I'm kind of just standing in the shadows. The lights are off. So I'm in the dark. And I'm watching him. My dad's standing kind of behind me. And this dude just starts getting madder and madder and yelling like, fuck you, you stupid bitch, all this type of stuff. And my dad goes, Dalton, I think we should go inside. And I was like, why? Because what if he sees you? I was like, dad, there's a baseball bat behind the front door. If he sees me and starts coming over here, I hope you would go grab that and bring it to me. <laughs> like, like that's that's how that would go. And he's like, no, come on, let's go inside. So I was like, okay, I got to appease the old man. So I went inside with him and I immediately walked out back and went and stood by the fence again. 
And and <laughs> so he after like I'm standing there for like five solid minutes listening to this dude shout and yell. And I can hear vaguely a voice yelling back at him from inside the house, right? Which I thought was another guy. Um turns out the lady that lives over there just has a very deep voice. Right. So there's a lot of yelling going on. So my dad comes back out there and he's standing next to me and we're just kind of sitting there listening all of this. Fuck you. Fuck you. I own this. I pay for this bitch. Good luck at Keystone, bitch. Oh, fuck you. All this stuff. We're like, Jesus Christ. I looked at my dad and I said, you think we should call the cops? Now, I'm high. My, <laughs> my dad is an old stoner. He doesn't smoke anymore. But like, we're both like, what's the address over there? Uh... <laughs> I don't remember. My dad goes, they're going to want to question us if we call the cops and you're high. We probably shouldn't do that. And I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. I, I agree because Florida's weird. So about this same time, we hear, you're not going to let me in? Fine then. Smash. A fucking window breaks somewhere over there. And me and my dad go, Sheesh. oh, fuck. And we hear the door fly open and we start hearing this. You motherfucker, you broke my fucking window. Why'd you, why'd you break the window at? Why'd you? While this voice is going on, the other voice is just going, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. And so the, the door shuts again. We hear the door shut and he starts yelling and we hear, I want my fucking weed. And I looked at my dad and I went. Dude, that guy is probably on some harder drugs and needs his weed to chill the fuck out because, like, he is raging right now. And anyway, he ended up getting in a car and peeling out and hauling ass down our road. Now, I live on a little dirt road, dude. Like, and there's a bunch of cats around and stuff. So, like, I was immediately pissed off that he did this, but he, like, peeled out and stormed off down the road. So, we think it's over. We're standing there talking about, I can't believe that just happened. We hear his voice shouting again. He's walking down the road. Comes back to the house gets another car pulls that one out of that driveway and peels out and hauls ass in that one too so i'm like <laughs> what do you do with the first car what the fuck happened to the first car <laughs> and that was and that was it like and now both cars are back over there i guess they're all happy go lucky and back together or whatever the fuck and i'm like dude some people are fucking dumb uh, everything's normal now definitely cool <laughs> like, wait, did he come home and fix the window what the fuck but yeah, that was that was an interesting an interesting night for me. Um, it had my adrenaline going because I was like, "Am I gonna have to go over there and like save somebody from getting killed? What the fuck's going on here?" Jeez, yeah, God. But a little bit of a lighter story before we get into some some gameplay talk. Um, <laughs> that would be nice. So I've I've talked about my buddy Lenny before. Leo, he's from Yonkers, New York, right? He's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got that real thick New York accent. So. I've talked about Lenny. Like I love Lenny to death. And if you ever listen to this, Lenny, I want you to know I love you to fucking death before I even tell these stories. Because it's probably going to sound like I'm making fun of you, but I'm not. Because I just I fucking love everything about you, dude. You're a good dude. Um, so Lenny's not the the best cook. And, and what I mean by that is he doesn't cook. So we're over at my buddy Wes's house. And Wes is like, I'm going to grill some salmon tonight for dinner. And Lenny goes, ah, you know, I, don't, I don't really fuck with fish. Wes is like, yeah, but salmon's different, man. Yeah, I, I, I don't really fuck with fish. Like, have you ever had salmon? Nah. Well, what kind of fish have you had? Well, you know, like fish sticks. <laughs> Wes goes, what? He goes, yeah, yeah. You know, when I was younger, I ate some fish sticks and I didn't really like them. So I, I just, I just haven't eaten fish. And Wes goes, okay, for one, it's probably not fish. 
He goes, and two, how did you cook them? Yeah, I just I just put them in the microwave. And Wes is like, oh my <laughs> God, bro. So Wes grills this salmon and he goes, Lenny, fucking taste this. <laughs> Lenny takes a bite of it and he goes, yo, dog, that's fucking good. Wes is like, yeah, welcome to fish cooked properly. <laughs> so nice. we're we're inside and we're talking. So Le- so Wes like Lenny's really relying on his mom. There's a weird like mo- mommy dearest thing there. It's it's very strange, right? But Wes is like trying to prepare Lenny for like the day that maybe his mom's not around anymore. So he'll be like, "What do you know how to cook?" And Lenny is like, "Oh, you know, like I can make like French fries and like uh you know chicken wings and stuff like that. Like I, I love making chicken wings." Wes goes. Oh, hell yeah, dude. So, how do you do it? Like, what do you use for your, like, your uh, batter, your seasoning and stuff? And Lenny goes, yeah, you know, I just pull them out of the bag, put them on a plate. And and Wes goes, oh, okay, so you do them, you, like, do your wings in the oven, then just, like, the, the, the wings you get from the store. And Lenny's like, yeah, yeah, but I don't, I don't use the oven. I just, I just put them in the microwave. <laughs> and, and Wes is like, oh, my God, bro, they're probably so bedoingy. Uh, that's what my dad calls chicken nuggets and they're like cheap chicken nuggets he calls them bedoing doing chicken because he's like you throw them they'll bounce <laughs> yeah. but yeah so Lenny's just like nah I just I just, if you're lucky, I just use the microwave if you're lucky to bounce yeah. you get that quid cuisine stuff yeah. it doesn't even bounce <laughs> yeah those just stick to whatever you throw them <laughs> like putty uh, speaking of uh, putty high five nice, <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah so Lenny Lenny is the microwave king is basically is I love that motherfucker to death, but like, dude, just the look on his face when he was just like, ah, you know, just I just fish sticks. <laughs> I microwave them. I'm like, oh god, bro, no, no, that's the one of the worst things that I can think of to eat is microwave fish sticks. And not, but you throw them in the oven or you fry them, and they're fucking delicious. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. That's just oh, uh, I miss Lenny. I haven't seen him in a while. I miss that dude. You just got to get him to eat food that people that love themselves eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He dude, he can pound some food. Now I know I've told stories like I've cooked him a cheeseburger that was at least a quarter pounder and in the five feet from the kitchen to the table, he ate the entire thing. Like he sat down at a table and finished his burger. I was fucking amazed. <laughs> I was like, bro, how big is your mouth? <laughs> like, do you have pockets in there that you can store these food? <laughs> like, that's insane, bro. I, I I told him all the time, I'm like, you should look into competitive eating. I mean, it'd probably be terrible for you, but you might be able to make some money. Because <laughs> he's quick. Like, the hot dog eating contest, bro, I think he could put away some wieners. <sighs> uh, all right, brother. Trails. Now, let's let's clarify how this is going to yep. go. Um, I beat the game. Willie, I know you've been busy with life and stuff so you were not able to uh fully complete it but this yeah so i reached uh i played for a total of 23 hours and hit uh chapter th- the middle of about chapter three out of four which including a prologue episode me thought i'm a little more than halfway through yeah um so today's episode we're going to cover everything that you've seen and kind of like overalls and things like that um trying to avoid specific spoilers yeah. and then this saturday I'm going to be recording an episode with James from the JRPG Report. Shout out to James from the JRPG Report. You're the man. Everybody should listen to Thank you, James. Everybody should listen to the JRPG Report because that's a great show for all your JRPG news. Um, that's where I get all my JRPG news. He's a good guy. Uh, yeah, we're going to be recording the spoiler cast this weekend. So um, if you have beat this game and you want to hear like my opinions and my reaction to the ending of this, 
you'll you'll get that this weekend. Uh, and oh, there was one other thing I was going to touch on, and now I don't remember what it was. Well, that's why they call it dope. So your <laughs> you uh, where we left off was the end of the prologue, I believe. So like. From there, uh, from, from what you've played, did you feel that uh, this game was doing a good job at evolving, like uh, character progression, um, levels of monsters, things like that? We can kind of like, you know, kind of give me your overview and then we'll kind of run through what we've got written down. Yeah, for sure. I didn't make a lot of notes about chapter one, actually, but um, I did feel like uh, like the prologue in the first chapter kind of, I mean, I was going to say small stakes, but the first chapter is literally about like a, a hijacked airline and a whole bunch of important stuff from that so it's not like it's low stakes from the start but um i feel like it did a good job of uh expanding in scope and depth throughout the course of the game and same with the gameplay too like i think early on you can really just fudge everything with just hit enemy and then later on you need to do a little bit better job managing like elemental things and then much like i'll talk about the combat more when we get to the second chapter but there was a I feel like it definitely evolved where you had to be more strategic, use your resources more intelligently, use your items and things in addition to just, uh, you know, whacking things. Yeah, uh, the, uh, like the turn order became really important. Like you really wanted to go yeah. uh, early as possible and try to get in more attacks and stuff because this is a game where it's like you got your characters hit hard, but the enemies also hit fucking hard. Everybody hits hard. <laughs> Uh, and manipulating that turn order was really huge too, because like it, there's uh, so there's the order of turns is like one turn from now this character is due to go next, two turns from now this character is due to go next, three turns from now this character is due to go next. In three turns, this attack will have critical hit. Yeah, and like you could cast a spell like a healing spell that only takes a moment to cast, which will insert your character in those uh, order twice, and then that'll kind of skip the critical hit up one. And so I did that a few times to manipulate enemies away from having critical hits yep. or certain heals and stuff, which became a lot more important later yeah, on. You absolutely want to keep on top of that because you want to avoid the enemies having critical hits at all costs. At all yeah. costs. <laughs> Especially those uh, later on, those Roadrunner-type guys that we talked oh about like they kicked fucking hard yeah it's just a random encounter enemy that would just like eviscerate you if you had to fight him like with two of them and they would te- team up on the same guy and get critical hits on their what's it called demonic talent attack yeah. it was just brutal now before we get any more uh in depth you have a note here that i think is interesting about the uh, the series numbering so do you want to get into that <laughs> okay so there are a lot of games in the series but the series has sub series of sub-series. Yeah. <laughs> so, I did some more research. Uh, later on, we're going to be covering a game called Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel, which is the... It'll, it'll be coming a little later. It's the sixth game in the Trails series. Like, this is the first one, Trails in the Sky. Uh, that game has its own ser- uh, sequels, Trails of Cold Steel 2, 3, 4, and a new one that I've already forgot the title. Oh, uh, Trails of Reverie. Thank you, Trails into Reverie. That's right. Uh, the game we're playing today, Trails in the Sky, is the first Trails game. But it's called, you know, Legend of Heroes Trials of the Sky. It's the sixth game in the Legend of Heroes series, which began with a game called Dragon Slayer, The Legend of Heroes. That game is the sixth game in the Dragon Slayer series, which was a long-running early-on series. That, like, if you've ever heard of Faxanadu, that's a spinoff of the same series. So, like, this game, when we get to Trials of Cold Steel, that is going to be either, depending on how you want to count, the first game, sixth game, eleventh game, or sixteenth game in the series. Um, two two fun facts. Uh, one, I think Reverie is a new arc start. 
I could be wrong. Okay. But I think I think Trails of Cold Steel is one through four, and now they're starting another arc. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Uh, I will clarify that with James because he would know because he's a big fan of the series. And two. Absolutely. Tra- He'll probably correct me what I just said because some of it's probably slightly uh, off, but. Dragon Slayer. Uh, the original Dragon Slayer is known for being like a pioneer of the action RPG like genre where it was more focused on like battles and stuff and story as opposed to dungeon crawls and hunting for this and the first person like that kind of thing that was really popular back then and uh, and it kind of took a a left turn from what Ultima was doing too whereas like Ultima was getting more super realistic whereas Dragon Slayer took gotcha. the the JRPG style route I don't know. So, okay. Yeah. Interesting, interesting Makes fact I learned sense. the other day. That's pretty. But yeah, cool. it's insane to me that you know, Trails of Cold Steel could be one of four different numbers of the series, depending on how you look at it. That's also that it keeps happening at the sixth game every time. I think is kind of funny. Like Dragon uh, uh, Legend of Heroes was the sixth Dragon Slayer. Trails of the Sky was the sixth Legend of Heroes. Trails of Cold Steel was the sixth uh, Trails. Like, I don't know, it's just... Six, six. Nah, six, 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 a little... little <laughs> nice. I threw up the horns for any uh, for people... Well, obviously, nobody can see this. We don't do video versions, so... I saw it. Yeah. Uh, um, man, aside from that, like, after that point, my notes of the game uh, notes start getting a little bit disorganized, and they come back a little bit later, but... I don't, I, you have some random topics? you mind just jumping into random stuff only to mention? Um, as a whole, like I think that the the relationship between Estelle and Joshua is done really well throughout the entire game. Um, they kind of like hinted around around things and stuff like that, but it's also like they have this brother and sister thing going on, which uh, that some people might find that weird. But like, I didn't. Yeah, I was kind of thinking, please don't. You know, get too. I'm not. I haven't finished the story yet either, so I don't know how it ends up. But there, I don't know. I'm. I'm not a big fan of that element. So I don't look at it that way because, like, they're not blood related at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, they were raised together. Even the uh, don't get me wrong. Even the adoption thing is kind of informal too, because it's like he picked up that kid five years ago, so he was like they were eleven at the time, and now they're sixteen. So I don't know. Yeah, Uh, it's still. I don't love it, but I could, I could, I guess I could see where people are coming from. Just so, but like, not even just their relationship, like the relationships that they build with the characters that you meet over the game, like Shirazard, um, like, um, uh, God, I can Chloe, um, Tita, like all these different characters that you meet, um, they mean something. You know what I mean? Like a lot of sometimes, sometimes some games they have like the side party members are kind of just there, but they don't really mean much. Yeah. Even non-party characters, like I feel like you keep running into the reporter Neil and his photographer Dorothy, and I think over time you really start to feel like they're very, I don't know, you get to know them and kind of understand their angles too, and I don't know, that kind of, I like that. It's interesting. I, I read his name as Niall. I, I think I've said it both ways. Neil honest. and Niall? Yeah, that I think I said Niall in the past episode. Uh, but yeah, I, I really liked him as a character. The the reporter yeah, like, guy he grew on me a he lot. was he's a cool he's a cool fucking character and then Dorothy is just obliviously hilarious. Yeah, she it, Estelle was a little bit out there, but Dorothy is an absolute space case. Yeah, which is funny how much she grinds Estelle's gears. It's yeah. just hilarious that she's just so oblivious that Estelle cannot believe it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, she's like the person in the world that seems to annoy Estelle more than like the outright mean people because she's just like. 
oh, will you please pay attention? Which is like kind of what everyone else is doing to Estelle half the time. I think the only person that gives Dorothy a run from her money in that vein is Olivier. Because yeah, okay. She doesn't, she definitely didn't like Olivier. <laughs> Olivier, dude, and it doesn't get any better. Like, <laughs> he, like he, he is just such, I love him. He is one of my favorite characters. He's hilarious. Because he's, the thing about Olivier is he's like this, like, really self-absorbed weirdo that keeps overstepping people's bounds and making everyone uncomfortable. And then the game keeps finding reasons to mash him back into the party and free, just irritate the shit out of everyone. And I personally love it. Because it's like, he's not completely useless. He does some things that he, he ends up being really helpful at one point. Like, it's his suggestion that ends up really helping break the Sky Bandit case in one yep. point. But, like, also, gameplay-wise, he's pretty awesome. I love his S-Break, because he's the first character you get who has an S-Break that targets more than one enemy. Yeah, and that's really helpful. Yeah. Really helpful. Especially because if you're fighting Sky Bandits, they tend to come in numbers, and being able to knock half of all of their health off at once is, like, pretty sick. Yeah, absolutely. And he... he What cracks me up, there's a scene, I don't know if you've gotten to it yet or not, um, and it's not much of a spoiler, but, like, Josh and Estelle and I, some other character are having a conversation in this building and they're like but who could who could we find for a, a a fourth you know what i mean and this voice from outside the door just says man's voice goes hmm <laughs> like, i i do believe that i could ha- i could be of service here and estelle's face just drops to that like anime like oh no face and she's like oh god don't tell me and then olivia comes walk olivia comes walking in and he's like hello and joshua goes how long have you been listening to us? And the cell's like, yeah, did you just wait for the perfect time to make your entrance? And he's like, a bard always makes the perfect entrance and shit. Like, <laughs> like he is the fucking best. He is the man. He is so fucking funny. Also, like, I feel like he gets a pretty fair... He kind of gets and gives an equal measure. You know what I mean? Like, he irritates everybody. They get back at him. There's no long-term lack of equality there. Yeah, there's a... There's a scene, and again, this isn't a spoiler. It's just something that was funny that happened. There's a scene where he finally, he finally says something to Estelle that like makes her eye twitch, and then all of a sudden, her character whips her staff out and just bam, nails Olivier, and he goes <laughs> flying back into the building. They just come walking out of, and then you can walk back in there, and he's laying on the ground with like the anime like starry eye type thing, and. People are around him like, what the hell happened? It sounded like he got hit by a truck or, you know, like a horse or something, kicked by a horse. And and he's laying on the ground like, mama, help me, mama. That's not what he says, but, you know, it's one of those things. He's completely out of it. And it is just a really funny fucking scene. Um, Oh, man. I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed the heck out of it. There's a lot of, I guess, I don't know if minor characters is the term, but like, medium-sized, not-quite-main characters that I, I really found myself enjoying. I, I'll get to some more of those later, but... I, I also like the little little things like the extermination missions. Some of the boss or mini-bosses you end up fighting, like optional boss fights, ended up being really cool. Like, there was an earlier one on called Master Cryon that was just, like, this kind of figure inside of a jagged crystal with a bunch of, like, colored orbs around him. And, it, like, it looked like a Super Nintendo boss fight, but it was in Chapter 1 in an optional sub-fight in the yeah. game. And I, I don't know why, but I really enjoyed that. Oh, dude. I, the, the enemy sprites in this game are tre- tremendous. Yeah. And just imaginative, like, even little things, like, there's an enemy called a cave raid. It's just, like, a, a ray fish, but he's underground instead. He kind of floats around, and it's like, I don't know why, but that just kind of makes me happy. 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Like, and I, I like like the, there's like, there was a certain chest that I opened in one of the areas that spawned a monster fight. Some chests are monster chests. They yes. have the best items in them, but you got to beat monsters to get to them. Uh, and usually it's like equipment of some sort. Mm. But, uh, it popped open and I had to fight seven penguins and each oh. of them was a different color. And I know that correlated to something I don't know because I had an S break and I just used that and wiped them all out. Because uh, Josh eventually gets an S break that hits everything. So like I would just, I just nice. used that and took them out. But I really enjoy that like there's a reason that each of those penguins are a different color. You know what I mean? And they're, they're colored nicely. It's not just like... I don't know how to describe it. It just looks like there was uh, care put into the detail on them, if that makes sense. Mm. And, and for sprite work, dude, that's impressive to me. Like, it's not like you're putting together polygons and you can really shape them. It's like sprites. You're only working with what you got basically. And as far as I know, I could be completely fucking wrong. Cause I don't fuck with sprites, but I've just, it was all impressive to me. And some of the, the bot, like the final boss, uh, without giving too much away about it looks really fucking cool. And it was done really well. Yeah. I'm still looking forward to that. Cause like I said, I got to about the halfway point. I'm going to keep on playing this game, but like I've been, I'm tremendously busy this month in general. So I may or may not, have time to get to it before you guys do the spoiler episode it might be a while before i get to even hear that i will try to report back when i finish the game but i know there's a couple games i said i was going to finish that i hadn't quite got around to if anything at least message me when you finally finish this game because i really want to know how you feel about the ending yeah i'll definitely let you know as i progress in general because like i mean i'll probably probably play in little little chunks from now on and you know, try to get to the end of chapter. I don't think I'm too far from the end of chapter three. Like, I think I have a major dungeon coming up in a moment. Bro, you've probably got, let's see. You said, how how many hours did you say you were in? About 23? 23 and a half. 23 and a half. You've probably got, like, 10 to 12 hours left, if that. So, like, you're not very far. Okay. You could chip away at that, you know, here and there. Yeah, it's just I'm definitely going to want to play next week's game first. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so I don't feel behind. No, no rush. But, yeah, feel free to just any time, just kind of chip away at it when you have free time. You know what I mean? Um. Yeah. So... You put it the best when you said that this game plays out a lot like an anime. And I agree with that because it's like, it's so happy-go-lucky in the beginning. And then you get to chapter two. And chapter two is really where stuff starts to kind of pick up. They start introducing a little more political intrigue, a little more uh, stakes. The stakes are a little higher. Um, So I'm curious how you felt about chapter two. So, I I mean... I want to say the first off chapter one ended with a sky ba- uh, sky bandit castle or uh, fortress or whatever. I want to say I think that may have been the best designed dungeon I've seen in the game so far. Like it really pushed me to the limit of my resources and my ability in the game. I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it through. It felt like a battle of attrition that we were kind of behind in because we were so outmanned. And oh, I really really enjoyed that. So like I, I just wanted to thumb that up really well. Like I had, I bought a bunch of different food items going into that. I used up all of them in that time frame. So like, oh, it just that felt really cool. But chapter two, chapter two, I guess is what I really want to go on. Cause I think that's when the game's plot came into its own. Like chapter one in the prologue, everything had kind of been uh, this linear pursuit of missions. Like there are optional side missions you can take for the bracer, so it fleshes out some of the areas you're in, which you explore, fill around the areas. But for the most part, you're following a single breadcrumb trail with occasional hints that there's something bigger going on. Like, you don't really follow up on them. You just hear, like, ominous things and implications, but you don't have any ability to follow up on them right away. Then in Chapter 2, though, okay. Like, the Chapter 3 plot has a lot of different threads. Like, it takes place all over the place. There's, like, you know, 
you're, you're investigating in, in mansions and orphanages, academies and warehouses, and it covers all these different themes. Like it's about found family and nobility versus equality of divided loyalties and like a city whose identity is in crisis because technology is reshaping the world. And like in throughout the story, it's like political intrigue, a school festival, gang warfare, gentrification, petty larceny, large scale robbery, arson and mercenaries and like evildoers because they're incompetent evildoers because they're malicious. Like, it's got all these different things that it works with and like tries to bring together. And before it all wraps up and lets you know like how these things do connect and how they don't connect to one another, it does this thing that I've always loved in stories, a play within a play. There's a little play put on by the Academy that your characters end up being a part of. And the play within a play reprises like all of these themes before you actually find out, you know, the conclusion of the in-game story. I don't know. I, I just thought that was really well done. And uh, it really showed me that the game was going for quite a lot. And Joshua made quite the pretty princess. That he did. Yeah, there was a gimmick <laughs> in the play where the uh, students that put it on decided to do the characters in uh, like ge- uh, the opposite gender roles of the characters. So major female characters end up playing the knights fight- fighting over a princess played by uh, your boy Joshua. And it's, I don't know, it was kind of sweet and adorable. <laughs> Yeah, I I really I enjoyed I kinda, it. that play kind of hit the play kind of hit me. I was like, even though it was like a really obvious story, it was still like kind of emotional because it's like obviously a exaggeration and simplification of everything that's going on. But I think it told a pretty cool, if simple story in its own right. The play, and I, I, I'm a sucker for that. Absolute sucker for play within a play. I mean, it did Romeo and Juliet better than Romeo Must Die, so we'll give them that. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah and it was really it, it was really cool it was pretty like shakespeare it was a little like romeo and juliet meets uh well uh, maybe a, maybe a, t- a taste of Macbeth or hamlet but not too much yeah it, it was very it was very well done for sure yeah which is the which is the shakespeare play that has a play within a play because uh, it, it's been a while i'll Someone is listening and they're going, they're yelling the name at it like it's Jeopardy, but I'm never going to hear you. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I, I don't know. I think that's the, the main thing I noticed is like chapter two really seemed to be where the game decided to stop just being introduction to game and start being like, okay, we're going to show you what the world at large looks like through a microcosm of the world. I thought that was yeah. cool. And it also made me wonder, like, a lot of implications, because, like, some of these characters are connected to other groups, like the royal family and the military, and, you know, then there's, it's like, lo- you know, local things, but I don't know, it, I don't know, like, it, I haven't finished the plot, and it really made me wonder, like, who knows what outside of this. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you, if you don't want a, a slight spoiler for chapter two, skip ahead 10, 15 seconds. Mm. Okay. Um. Dude, when they make you think that that fucking orphanage burned down with that lady and the kids inside, I was like, yeah. oh my god. That was heart-wrenching, and I was so glad that's not how it turned out. Yeah, I was super happy when it was They like, cut away from that way too early. <laughs> when it was like, yeah, Agate went and saved him, I was like, oh, thank god, yeah. dude, because I don't know how I could have emotionally handled that. <laughs> That would have been just too much too fast. Yeah, it's like this happy-go-lucky game, and then they just crush your whole soul and spirit. I mean, this ain't Doki Doki yeah. Literature Club. This. <laughs> oh, dude. So, what I uh, I found a mod for this game. I want to touch on this really quick. That at oh yes yes. So the 
in Japan, this was only released in Japan, um, Trails in the Sky, uh, SC and FC. I'm not sure about the third, but I think the third too. Anyway, the Trails like arc um, was first released on PC, then PSP, then PC again, right over here. Like the, We've talked about that on the last episode. Right. It also got a re-release on the Vita, and they were called Evolution. It was Trails in the Sky, first chapter, Evolution, first chapter. I know they used first chapter twice. I don't know why, but that's just what it was. Um, <laughs> but it added voice acting and stuff. And there's wonderful modders um, have made things that will take the voice files from the uh, Vita version and put them into the PC version. Now, I got that to work. Um, nice. But last night, I'm watching a clip on YouTube just trying to refresh myself on some of the earlier things that had happened in the game because it's been a couple weeks since I had seen them. And uh, this is all tying back to what we were just talking about, I promise. So it's the scene where, and we're going to get to Chapter 3, but in Chapter 3 where Tita and, uh, I almost said Louis, Louise. What the fuck? Who is Louise? Estelle and Tita were in the steam room and they were talking. Oh, and yeah. there's a part where it's just a bunch of dots for Tita's, like her line right but the voice actor goes hmm doki doki <laughs> and i'm like what is this doki doki just kind of mean hmm like are you thinking like what does that mean <laughs> it, it means heartbeat it's like a sound effect that means like a heartbeat oh okay okay uh, so maybe she was like thinking to herself and uh, it was it was a serious conversation what they were having uh well Tita thought it was serious, <laughs> or Estelle thought it was more serious uh, yeah. than Tita did. I mean, uh, but right. yeah, but I, I, I know this it, it just cracked me up. But she just went, hmm, "Doki doki," and it's, it's just like that's so cute because <laughs> the voice actor for Tita did a great job. Did a great job. Uh, for people who don't know what we're talking about, in Chapter Three, there's a girl you meet named Tita who's like a little girl, and you kind of take her under your wing as like your little sister and uh, run around and do stuff with her and. She's yeah. a little she's a little badass. She's very nice. She's super cute, like little badass and her S break. <laughs> okay, so yeah, she does end up joining the party for combat and uh she's usually a little demure and fights things from a distance with a cannon, like a little, you know, t- tiny cannon thing, but then go So for one, her cannon um she has a cra- uh, craft that is a, like a smoke screen thing that blinds your enemies. Yes. That was the most useful move I think I've seen in the entire game because it's an area of attack damage and smokescreen or blind against all. Yeah, it's fucking helpful against big groups for sure. But her S break, this little girl pulls out a minigun. Yep. And I don't know, you said the character from Team Fortress 2, I don't remember his name. The, the heavy. heavy. Runs me the heavy. Yeah, she just goes straight the heavy and pulls out this minigun and just unloads on the enemies and it is hilarious because this gun is three times the size of her. Yeah, it's kind of great. I, I don't know, I kind of love the S-Break animations. Like, I think they did a great job of adding a little extra character to each character. Oh, yeah. That sounded really stupid, but you know Yeah, what I, mean. I still love Shirazard's, ooh, someone's not being naughty and then just whip, 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 yeah. whip, 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 whip. But I like Barrage too with uh estelle where she goes in and takes her staff and just starts whacking the shit out of him like continuously it's fucking great dude 
I, I mean, I, I don't think I've ran into one that I didn't think was pretty awesome. Like, I actually thought uh, Olivier's one, like, we talked about the effect of it, but the animation was really cool, too, because he kind of gets behind it. Like, it shows the shot from a couple of different angles. And he says something, he says some really corny thing you would expect a character like that to say, like, some long lines of, now face the power of true beauty. Yeah. Something ridiculous like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Chloe's was a mass heel. Which yeah, which is helpful, uh, but only in certain situations, you know. I've never enjoyed having like the limit break slot being taken up by a heel move, if that's the only option you have. Because the thing about the S break in this game is you can use it to interrupt stuff. And I think you're more likely to just want to interrupt an enemy to delete them than to heal and then have them hit you again, you know? Yeah, yeah. but it also could save your ass if, like, say there's a big monster that is about to just put off like it's quote-unquote s-breaker it's big damage move and Mm -hmm. if you're able to hit that red button before that thing goes off and heal your people so they don't die when that goes off that can help but also like if you're managing your health hopefully you won't be down that far anyway I'm not saying it's not useful. I'm saying also, like you mentioned earlier, is the enemies hit very hard. You hit very hard. There aren't a lot of situations where I'm hanging around with like almost dead damage without the enemy also being almost yeah. dead. Yeah, for sure. Um, but Chloe's move that I really liked was this attack where she uses her bird, Zeke, and she just like sends him and the bird attacks the person, but it lowers their strength and their defense which is phenomenally helpful to exterminate some of those monsters there at the beginning. Because it's literally defense and strength minus 50% from that move. Yeah, for... Like, which is a ridiculous... Two, two or three turns, I think, or something like that. I never quite understood how long buffs and debuffs... Seem to, they seem to be a lot shorter in this game than in most RPGs. Yeah, which which is helpful like when you get poisoned, that it only lasts a couple yeah. turns and, as opposed to, you know, until you get rid of it. <laughs> I will say that by far, out of pretty much any RPG I've played with status effects, this game has some of the least annoying poison I've ever seen. Yeah, that's that's a JRPG trope. Uh, rounding back to the Patreon, you people, if you want to hear the yeah. Patreon section, it's $1 a month. Patreon.com slash Steam Machine Podcast. Um, that's a trope that I hate, is like poison not going away. Like I, I understand yeah, why. If they want to be more realistic when you get poisoned, it's just not going to magically go away after the battle. But like... When I'm taking a step and every step the screen flashes and makes a noise, it's like, mm. come on, I don't need that. I know that person's poisoned. <laughs> like, you're just making it more anxiety-inducing and stressful, yeah. but you're not actually adding anything gameplay-wise. Or maybe something small. Like, like the reason I can't play the old Zeldas is because of that god-awful noise that plays when you have low hearts. I hate it, dude. I can't do it. It just it aggravates the shit out of me. Yeah. Especially all the NES ones where it's like, if you hit with your sword, it makes that and the beep at the same time. And it's just really sonically unpleasant. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But yeah, so chapter chapter two uh, ends up culminating nicely. But another thing with this game is you're you're getting different party members in each chapter. Like Yeah, which also means you start each chapter with just Estelle and Josh. Yeah, which is like, whew, can be rough. You get used to having the four-person parties because, uh, like, the difference when you're fighting just trash mobs, it is so much easier to overwhelm them with numbers if you can just go one. Because a lot of things take two or three hits, so if you can just go one, two, three, and take out at least one of the mobs, you're good. But if you accidentally encounter some random jerk on the overworld, you might actually have to fight it for a moment as Estelle and Joshua. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that doesn't always go well, as a, as I can do a test, at least. Um, I've had to hit retry multiple times throughout this playthrough. 
I haven't had so much had to retry, but it's like I just got well, okay. If I if I tried to bite off something more than I could chew, which was typically a treasure chest, and I only had the two of them, I think that's when most of my deaths came from. I would always save before I tried to exterminate a monster just in case I would lose. And there was a couple of times I had to load and be like, all right, I'll come back to this later. No, no, I, I, I yeah, it was treasure chest and exterminations, I think, were the only times. I think maybe one boss battle where I had saved and had to come back to it later. But for the most part, it was usually kind of obvious that, like, you're lacking. Like, there was one uh, in Chapter 3. Uh, no, it was at the start of Chapter 2. Uh, There's an extermination side quest for a monster called Helmet Crabs. And what it is is five of these monsters that all have a force field on them. And all physical attack damage bounces off of them back to you if you hit up with a physical attack. And that includes crafts. And that includes S-breaks. So you can't just cheese through it through S-breaks. You have to have arcs. But they're five on two. And so they're just going to outnumber you really fast. Not only that, but they... um, they summon a separate kind of monster that has a magic point vampirism attack. So they're overwhelming you, keeping you from using your arts attacks on them. And you're just, you're, you're done before you can get started. So I'll, I'll go ahead and say this in advance. Wait until you have at least three characters before you do that fight. You have time. You have time to wait till you pick up the third character. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it makes a massive fucking difference. Because that character starts with a bunch of area of effect art attacks, yeah. which is really useful. And it's about that point in the game that I realized the only things I need to upgrade isn't just, uh, you don't just be upgrading your attack, your uh, your uh, sorry, your weapons, your armor, and all that. That it's important to like check the you, the courts you have in there, and not just leave in like a, a material. Oh no, material is the FF seven term, but like if you have a quartz in there that's like HP one, maybe check the store and see if there's an HP two, because that's the only way you're going to be getting your like level two spells that are going to be more powerful. Yeah. And if you're still going, it, like in chapter one, you could skip. In the beginning of the game, you can skate by just hitting things. Chapter one, you can skate by using the right uh, elemental attacks. By chapter two, you need to be managing all the things we talked about. Like, you need to be not just using your S-break every time you have craft 100. You want to be sometimes using that for moves like uh, Estelle's Hurricane, I thought, got more and more so valuable good. throughout the course of the game. So good. That, that's a move where she stands in a... You like, put her in any position that's fairly near. She just kind of stands still and attacks in an area of, like, a range three around her. And so in a lot of cases that ends up letting you take out these massive waves of monsters that would overwhelm you otherwise. Yeah. And Estelle, dude, so she doesn't hit that hard in the beginning, but by the end of the game, yeah. that girl hits like a fucking tank. Yeah. I, I would agree that I thought she was, I was re- especially cause she looked like compared to when you had Shara in the party in the beginning, like Shara was your like DPS one. And it looked like, uh, Josh was kind of your fast attacker so I don't know early on I feel like I had a still covering like healing and stuff for the most part but now she's bashing you know yeah yeah and she's good at it <laughs> yeah um, but I, I did I finished this game at level 40 okay um, I don't know if everyone would get to level 40 because I spent a good amount of time just grinding even when I was getting I don't know three experience per battle and shit because this game like this game has like an yeah. anti-grinding policy where if you're not in a newer area with new monsters, like eventually you're going to hit like a wall with grinding. It's exponential. I figured out how the game does the calculation. So if there's a monster that is level 19 and gives you 19 experience points per fight, if you fight it at level 19, you get 19 experience points. If you fight it when you're level 2, you get 19 experience points. It's exponential. It is literally a power of like divide by 2 and round down 
every level above the level. So if you're level 20, you get 9. If you're level 21, you get 4. If you're 22, I guess you would get 2. And then any level from 23 on, you get 1 experience point for fighting that monster. If there's like 9 of them, you get 9 experience points for a fight that you're only slightly over level. You're like 4 levels too high for, but you're still outnumbered. So like the game definitely rewards you going forward to do your grinding if you're going to grind at all. The moment you're overleveled for an area, the punishment is rapid. Which is also why it's cool when a game, the character gives you the game gives you a character that's way higher level than you, because the implication is that that character's been either really far places or he's been just whacking these dudes since he was a child. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I loved when when Agate first shows up. He, uh, I made a note of it. You're like around level fifteen at this point. He pops into the party at level twenty two, which is over double your total experience points, and that it fits his character type too, because he's he's the senior bracer who not only is he senior. He thinks you're just a couple of jabroni rookies and he wants you out of his hair for the most part. Yeah. Like he knows who your dad is. He doesn't really care. He just kind of wants, I mean, maybe that's not exactly the case, but that's the way he portrays himself. Yeah. Like he doesn't want you to be a liability. And he's him. young. He's young, but you can tell that he's like, he's seen yeah. a lot of battle in his time already. Yeah. Like he's kind of implied to be one of the aces of the entire group. Like he seems to have the same household name status that like Cassius and Shara have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you meet a guy. So speaking of cool ice breaks, I won't give you his name or anything because you'll meet him later. But there's a guy you're gonna meet who's another bracer. Who his his okay. S break is basically a kamehameha. <laughs> like nice. he just takes this big spirit ball and then just throws it, and it's an area of effect attack, and it's fucking awesome. But it just, it, I just I laughed that every time. Incredible. I was like, God, this is absolutely made in Japan. Everybody, you got to get a kamehameha <laughs> in there somehow. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. So yeah, I mean. Just because of all that, it's it's hard to tell if you want to do like experience grinding at the start of each chapter, or if you want to, you know, wait till you grab a third character and then really go for it. Because I definitely know that when you pick in chapter three, when you pick up uh, Tita, she's like because she's younger than you, she starts off a couple levels below you anyway. So it's almost kind of worth it to just wait till you got her around. Yeah, because you want to start getting her that experience. But then again, I mean, I ended up just happily fighting everything on the tra- the trail between. Uh, Ruin and Zeiss because I also because I did that ended up getting a bunch of uh, gosh down I'm deep in the terminology weeds uh, Sepith is that the term for the shard, the shards that you can turn into quartz yes Sepith yep uh, so I ended up doing that just so I'd get Sepith on the way down there and then that's know. smart is farming some Sepith because the uh, the level three orbments that you can get later on are not fucking cheap I figured like I. I have like 900 in one of the types, but it's also the type that you never seem to use. Yeah. So uh, I think a level three, uh, like a red or a blue and those types uh, are about 800 Sepith. Ah, that's, that's a little it's, pricey. It's steep, man. <laughs> but you'll, you know, you'll start accumulating more the harder enemies you fight and things. Um, uh, uh, but man, we mentioned the character named Chloe earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to go back to her. She was one of the main characters of chapter yeah. two. And she's kind of, um, so she's a student at the academy or whatever, uh, but she's also, like, has ties to the orphanage, which is a major plot point of the chapter. And um, she's the one that brings the bird thing. The, the bird's name is Zeke, and he's like, it's called a Gerfalcon, which is just like, he's a really cool trained raptor. I don't know if, if he resembles a real kind of hawk or whatever, probably, but I'm not a bird expert. But, like, what I liked about him is he's, like, intelligent enough that he can understand other characters and respond to him but he just responds like scree but uh chloe has known him for long enough that like she can understand him speaking 
So like she can get intelligence from the bird that ends up coming into play a couple times. And I don't know. I just I enjoyed the bird. The bird does company. I kind of like intelligent animal, intelligent talking animals, or intelligent non-talking but comprehending animals. Speaking cool. of talking animals, there there's another quest, and we, we can come back if there's more you want to talk about Chloe, but what you just said made me think of this. In chapter three, you said you did the follow the cat around and find the person who smoked the cigarettes, Yeah, right? that, that also was a similar Did you find the book that had yes, the, the translations a- of what the cat was trying to say to you? <laughs> I tried to memorize as much as that as I could when I first saw it because I'm like, I know I'm going to need yeah. this one. And then the cat, the cat came back about 30 minutes later and was actually a quest character. So I'm like, okay, I remember that this one means this way. Yeah, it was really cool how they did that where it was like there was a book with the different meows that he could make. And obviously they were phonetically spelled out different ways. And it was like each one yeah. had like, okay, this one means I'm hungry. So you give him the milk. And then this one means follow me. This one means this way. This one means this motherfucker right the here book had a bunch yes. of, the book had a bunch of like humorous ones too like you know what is up weird purple or weird pink fleshed creature <laughs> yeah. <or whatever. laughs> oh yeah i love it i love it dude um like the game has a good sense of humor going on throughout it in addition to like the story i think i think it's probably i don't know i feel like it, it, has, it does more humorous stuff than it does like dark serious stuff yeah 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 absolutely yeah for sure um it definitely like it's a very feel-good story for the most part. Like, tonally, I would say it, it, it would be closer to Dragon Quest XI than anything we've done so far, including that it gets darker throughout. <laughs> I don't know why I thought you were going to be like, it's more like Dragon Quest XI, including Dragon Quest XI. I, I don't know why I, I was going to be like... <laughs> more Dragon Quest than a Dragon Quest. <laughs> yeah. Get in the zone. Auto zone. <laughs> I don't know why that came to my brain, but it did. <laughs> I, I got no idea. Uh, so I'm I'm curious what you thought of Zeiss or Zeiss. I mean, I've been saying it's Zeiss. I don't know which way it is. It Z E I S S German. That would be um, uh, Zeiss. No. What it? I'll, I thought it was supposed to be German. Wait, e no, it is, I'm like, sorry. German that is Zeiss. Yeah. yeah, that is Zeiss. It would be Zeiss. Yeah. Or I think it would be Zeiss, wouldn't it? But I'm not going to go that far. Oh, I don't. Because you I don't like, remember what Z. Doesn't a Z take a little like? Tss, it's like T S. Like it's like what looks like Zugzwang uh, is like Zutzwang. Sensu. Uh, hold on. Lash Zeit. Yeah, it might be like Zeiss, Zeiss, Zeiss. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Zeiss. I'm just gonna say Zeiss because I'm simple. <laughs> um, like one of my favorite things is okay. So Zeiss is like the high tech capital of the world. It's where the orbit technology first really came to the Kingdom of Liberal, and like uh, because of that, like when you first show up, everything is like G whiz technology that impresses the shit out of Estelle. But like it happens in a really goofy order to me. Like the first thing she sees in there is this like very big freight elevator that can pick up like thousands of tons and stuff. And she's like, Oh, that's pretty neat. And then she sees like regular personal escalator and is like, what is this? And then later on, she sees a conveyor belt. It's like, Oh my goodness. And it's like, each of those things was less impressive than the last. It's like, if you saw like, a rocket launcher and like oh that's neat and you saw a gun and you're like whoa and you saw a bow and arrow and you're like holy shit this changes everything <laughs> like you kind of did it backwards there buddy but i don't know i enjoyed it also there was i, I ran uh down the up escalator and up the down escalator every time i had the option because that's just the kind of person i am uh, so yeah when i realized that i could run them backwards i was like oh yeah well fuck the my fuck the normal i'm going i'm going down up and up down son of a bitches I'm not a part of your system. If you want to be like us, you have to be a nonconformist. Just like us. 
Oh man, but yeah, yeah, I I thought that place was really cool. Um, and yes, you're absolutely right that like <laughs> Estelle was more excited about like an escalator than she was like the fucking airship thing that like moves the airship from yeah. underneath and then break up and everything. But um, I I really I really liked the feel of that town. Like it felt like that would be a cool place. Like if you lived in Liberal, that would be a really cool mm-hmm. town to visit. Where it's like, oh shit. Like I'm from Ruan, you know, uh, or I'm from the little village in the beginning. I can't remember the name of. Was it Roll? No, Roland was the region. What was the village itself? Yeah, you're, no, you're right, Roland. Yeah, it was, oh, Roland. was Roland. Okay, okay. yeah. So if you're, I'm from Roland, like, <coughs> there's log cabins and shit around. And now I'm yeah. in this fucking city with wh- what's this? An elevator? What the fuck is that? I, I don't know. That's that's a cool thing to me. Like, like, but yeah, like you said yeah. though, Estelle was hilarious throughout that entire. Like a kid in a candy store, almost just like whoa. Yeah, Estelle is a fun character because like she either completely a hundred percent is blown away by stuff, or she does not care about it whatsoever. There is like no in between with her. Like there's a like, subquest you get where like they want her to test shoes for her favorite running shoe company, which is one of the character quirks that they establish early on in the game that she's a big fan of this one company of running Sh- shoes. Strega. Like, uh, the universe is. Straight, right. yeah, which I guess like the universe is equivalent of like Nike or Reebok, and she gets to beta test it, and she literally starts praying a thankful prayer on the ground because she gets to test out this new shoe. Dude, she, yeah, because she's like quiet, and then she's just like all caps, and the text is like five times bigger than normal, just like yeah, like she's super fucking hype about these shoes, and then you got to run all around in them and go give them back, but it pays off. I bet I haven't finished that quest yet, but I'm a, I wanted to really get the shoes good and flat before I brought them back to him because I figured you there's know. there's four points that you need to go to specifically if you'd like to know what they are. I'll let you know after the show. Uh, he mentioned a couple of the places. I went I went ahead and went to the uh, fort and to the town of Elmo, but that's I didn't go to the other two you mentioned yet. At least I think you mentioned four places. I'll check out. I'll I'll, I'll look I'll look up an FAQ later. It doesn't matter that yeah, much. Yeah, that and I'm pretty sure like you don't turn that quest in until chapter three is almost wrapped up. So you'll pretty much have been everywhere okay. you need to go. I mean, it says short, but I imagine that he can't just be like, "Oh no, uh, I don't want these shoes anymore. You took too long. You did too good of a job testing my shoes. <laughs> it was a prank." As long as as long as you go and turn that in before you leave the gate to go to chapter four, you're fine. Okay. That's okay. That's kind of what I was hoping would be the case. Because right now we're kind of in the middle of something very important. And yet I still went and did a monster extermination because that's the kind of dork I am. Um, but yeah, uh, I know that's about as far as you've gotten is into chapter three. So like, yeah, over overall, like, what would you say your feelings are on this so far? Like, where would you sort of rank it? Because uh, I I know like I've finished it like right right I've finished it and like you'll hear more of my thoughts about that on Saturday. But well, I won't oh. hear them on Saturday. I'll hear them after I finish yeah. the game after Saturday. Uh, you, the listener, will hear them yes. on Saturday if you're interested. Yes, you, the listener. And if you're not, then I don't know why you're here. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> what are you, you imposter? But I at this this ending, the ending of this game affected me to the point that like I put it up there with Persona Five and. Uh, dragon quest 11 for for impact damn. so damn um okay i i told willie this before we started i do not want to go more than a year without playing the second 
of this game. Like this might be a yearly thing for us is playing through trails, <laughs> trails. So, uh, but we'll, we'll figure that out whenever the time comes. But yeah, a nice October November tradition. Yes, yes. Or maybe it'll come up twice a year. Who knows? We got a lot of them to get through. That is a fair point. That is a fair point. Um, so got, we got to finish them all before you're dead and buried, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm already starting to get grays on a. Uh, but yeah, so what, what your overview so far of everything, like, let me hear it. I mean, I would say that this game, um, I hadn't been playing a lot of RPGs for a while, and this may be, this and Dragon Quest, and, you know, they made me feel like, I remember why I like these games now. This is a lot of fun. Uh, there's a lot I like in it. Um, I can't say I love every beat in the story, and sometimes it's because it's supposed to be frustrating, like how many times you fail to capture the Sky Bandits. Yes, bitch. But, um, I mean, it, it brought me back, it, it, you know, my first game after the huge budget RPG was the last one we played, and uh, it reminds me, hey, this this genre still is really good, and I still have to, I have to try a lot harder these days to make time for it than I did when I was in high school, but um, i Again, really enjoyed it and fully intend to have it finished within a couple weeks. Just get pat it, have a huge busy November, but once that's done, well, then we've got another really long game coming up soon too, so who knows, but I'm going to try to get it done this year. That's what's up, yeah. I, and I don't think Baldur's Gate's super long, if that helps. I uh, Yeah, but I have a feeling it's also the kind of game I could get caught up in and end up doing too much. That's a that's a possibility. That That's a possibility. So I'm going to look on how long to beat real quick. Main story. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't. Main check story that. for Baldur's Gate's thirty and a half hours. Okay, so that's actually shorter. So than it's this. not terrible. I mean, completionist is eighty six and a half hours. That's the part I was more worried about. <laughs> I feel like in this game, in Trails in the Sky, you can call the way to play it completionist, but like so much of the stuff is incidental forks in the road that you just come back to from anyway. That like. It's, I don't know, it, when you give me side quests like this, I just do them, and it, it feels like it's part of the intended runtime of it. Yep. Whereas if something like Baldur's Gate, I feel like a lot of that's actually going to be like choices and things you do not need to do, but you only do for specific reasons. Yep. So who knows? I don't know. Well, we'll see. But yeah, no, I, I enjoyed this game. This was a really good game. Okay. Yeah, and if uh, I want to give it a rating, uh, I know you might not be able to yet, unless you want to give what you've played so far a rating. I, if I can avoid giving it a final rating until I've finished it, that'd probably be for the best because otherwise I'm going to be sitting here overthinking comparing the number I gave to Dragon Quest. And that's, fair. that's fair. That's uh, fair. I'm going to give this a nine and a half. Okay. And a half. Yeah, yeah. nine and a half. It is really fucking good. Um, and it's just because like I became attached to the characters and that's a thing that is very important in a JRPG to me is character building and stuff because a lot of jrpgs are based around you know party stuff and sometimes your party members are just lackluster or some of them don't matter but this game did a good job at like everyone fucking matters even npcs like random npcs around town change their dialogue after every major story beat so like you can go around and talk to everyone in town and then the next time you come into town everybody might have something different to say to you and it's just the world building is just really fucking good yeah, I found myself just checking in on a couple of minor NPCs as little stories to see what was going on. Like, every time I went through Zeiss, I was checking in on, like, every time I went through the factory, I was checking in on the one lovelorn guy in the basement that was, like, pining for his supervisor, and his supervisor just absolutely not having time for him. 
That was like a little story, but then and then when it came out to have its own little side quest, too, I was like, oh, nice. There is a since you're in chapter three, I want to tell you because this is a missable quest, and I don't think you've already gotten to the point where you can miss it since you're still running around with the shoes. But if you go to, I think it's Sanctim Sanctim Gate. There's a guard there, and if you talk to the guard, uh, he'll give you something to bring back to the. Yeah, no, that's that's the that's the quest I was uh, just uh, referencing. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Well, so I was doing that when I was need to test the shoes. So one of the places I did was run out to the I think the the gate, the Wolf Gate. Yes, yes, the, the Wolf Gate. Yeah, and and he's like, "Will you please just take this take this letter to her, and will you buy her a gift? Like, I, I'll give you some money." And the cool thing about the gift was I was paying attention in the shops earlier and noticed one of the items was labeled as having a note that says, a good gift for a girl. And so I'm like, oh, I know where to go yeah. next. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. That's what's up. Little things like that. I love that kind of shit, dude. So I got the little plus four BP for that mission because I did it like extra thoroughly, which I don't know. That made me feel good. I love the ranking system. Like I was a little pleased to hit the rank of junior bracer third class, which is where I currently sit. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I wonder if you'll be able to... uh beat the game with a higher bracer rank than me because I did not get the achievement for having the max bracer rank, even though I was at rank one. So I guess I missed a few points along the way, but that's okay. There's no chance I didn't hit. I, I couldn't have got every point because I missed the Lost Cats quest at the very beginning of the game. Ah, okay. Okay. That's why I keep freaking out about them going down to short term, for instance. <laughs> yeah, it's it's story beats that affect that. So Yeah. I looked it up immediately after that happened, and it was it, 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 nothing bad happens. The cat literally returns to the owner. It, it was okay. But uh, I do want to say that uh, in order to see if the voice mods worked for second chapter, I did load up the Shadows uh, <coughs> in the Sky Sorry. SC, and when I started a new game, it popped up and said, we detect a save file from Trails in the Sky first chapter. Would you like to load it? And it's like, save must be after final boss. So I was like, oh yeah, it did give you a chance to save after that for a clear save. So if you want to do like new game plus and stuff. Mm. Well, I was able to load that into second chapter and then the game started up and I played it long enough to hear the voices working for Estelle and then I quit out. But I'm curious now, I might load it up tonight and see... If the game starts and I'm still at level 40 and I still have all my shit, bro, I'm going to be so fucking happy. Oh my fuck yes. That'd be pretty nice, yeah. Unless it turns out the level you're supposed to start is like 45 and you're actually weaker than you that, That's be. okay. I, I would handle that accordingly. <laughs> I mean, you'll still get a chance to jump right back up anyway. It's, you know. But, the, you level up quick when you get to a new region in this game and yeah. I can't imagine that that wouldn't be true for the sequel. Well, uh, I think uh, you're about ready for some house cleaning, my good sir. Or housekeeping, yeah, I'm I mean. Good. No, I mean, I think I need to sweep a little bit. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll get to the chimney eventually. Uh, chim chiru. Chim chim chimney roo. Chim chim chiru. Um. So yeah, if you want to uh, come join our Discord first and foremost, you should come join the Discord. Hell yeah. It's a uh, bit.ly slash tsmp, as in the Steam Machine podcast. Uh, Discord. It's all capital letters, just tsmp Discord, and. Yeah. Boom, that'll give you a invite to the server, and you click that little invite, and you're in. And then you can vote on what games you want to hear about. You can join us in chatting about video games, uh, or anime, or TV, or anything, really, man. We're just we're there for conversation. We want to meet the listeners, so like, come join us. Yeah, please. It's been a lot of fun. You know, we have a lot of fun chats, and uh, I always like to see new people come by, and I also like when people just randomly share wacky stuff that i've never seen before it brings me joy. yeah absolutely um also 
We've got the link to our website, which is bit.ly slash the steam machine podcast. And all you need to capitalize on that is just the first letter, like it's the proper, you know? And that's got links to all kinds of shit, man. You can go check out Nate's Twitch. You can check out Willie's Twitch. You can check out my Twitch. You can check out our merch store, uh, which I also have a link for that. It's tsmpproductions.threadless.com. Get you a cool ass uh, steam machine podcast shirt like our listener, Kana. That yeah, if, if you want to be cool like that, yeah. Shout out to Kana. And speaking of shout outs, we have some page. We have ah. some Patreon shout outs. Um, and I would like to thank these people who donate ten dollars a month uh, or more. If you want to donate more, that's perfectly fine too. I'm not going to tell you not to. But uh, they are the cogs in our machine, and I'd like to give them a special thank you. So we have uh, Nate Sir Cogsworth of the Seventh of Juniper, and I call him Sir Cogsworth because he was the first cog. So he is Sir Cogsworth. Yes. We have uh, Jeff, the original expendable Jeffy Lube. We have Arisa Adam. Shout out to his podcast, Revival and Extinction. Everybody should go check that out. And shout out to uh, DC Smokedown. We appreciate you guys very much. Um, Thank you. And $10 a month gets you your name shouted out on each episode. And you, But $1... One dollar, just one dollar. Ten dollars, you also get the one dollar stuff. Like it, it, you know, trickles down or whatever. But like, if you just want to give just one dollar, you can get each episode early, and you get to hear our little shenanigans before the episode starts. Uh, depending, like sometimes we have topics to talk about, sometimes we're just rambling. It just kind of depends, but it's all in good fun, and uh, it helps support the show, and we really appreciate that. And uh, man, is there anything that you'd like to plug, my good sir? Mm, actually, no, not no. this week. But I think I have something next week. Okay. Well, I have uh, some recommendations. I would like everyone to check out Revival and Extinction, which I just mentioned is our buddy Adams. Ariza Adams, Adams podcast. Um, he's on episode three or four, and I want like some more people to go give it some eyes and ears. Man, get his numbers up. Like, go check that shit out. It's awesome. Um, as always, I always tell you like JRPG Report. I recommend the JRPG Report. That's great for your JRPG news and stuff. But I would like to give a record. They'll be here for a supplemental episode uh, coming yep. up soon. And you will, yeah, you will get to hear James, uh, his his wonderful southern tones again this weekend. And I want to give a special recommendation, only because he recently just covered a game that's on our list, to Matt Barton and Matt Chat on YouTube. Um, he just recently covered Jagged Alliance, which is an old like strategy tactical RPG from back in the day. And that's on our list. Um, it, <laughs> I watched him play it, and let me tell you, that's going to be an interesting episode whenever that comes up, for sure. That is uh, not a genre I have any expertise with, so good luck to us when we get to anything with like tactics RPG or real-time strategy elements. Yeah, it's going to be interesting if we ever get there. But yeah, Matt Chat, he's a really good dude, Matt Barton. Uh, he's actually a Patreon of us, and I'm a Patreon of him. So... Like it's you know it's a mutual thing. He's a he's a really good guy. Everybody should go check out Matt Chat. I don't think his channel gets enough love. Like I know you've heard me shout out before that he's got the interviews with um, Romero for like Doom and mm-hmm. things like that. I've sent those to you. Um, he's yeah, they were really. He's good. got interviews with all all kinds of developers from back in the day. Um, and then nowadays he does interviews when he can. And then he also does like gameplay stuff, so, like of these older RPGs cool. and things. So it's a really cool channel. I, I want everybody to go check out Matt Chat. Um, and I think I think that about does it for uh, this week's episode, man. I'll, I'll catch you guys again this weekend. And Willie, 
We will talk again next week, my good sir. Uh, we will be covering Full Throttle Remastered, which is not American Shopper for or World yeah American Shopper, not Worldwide Shopper. That was the joke that I made. Um, yeah, Full Throttle Remastered, not a racing game. It's a LucasArts point-and-click game, and I I want to clarify because apparently when we mentioned that on the last episode, people thought that it was a racing game. It is not. It is a point-and-click adventure. So it should be really fun. Um, it's critically acclaimed. People love it. It's, uh, I think, the first game that was fully written by Tim Schafer, who you may know from Psychonauts, Brutal Legend, and uh, Psychonauts again. Yeah. So it should be fun, man. I look forward to that. Uh, is there any, uh, any, any last words before you walk the plank, Lottie? Uh, if, if you... Um if you come into the steam room when I'm in there, I'll scream really loud. Mm-hmm.